0: Thank you for joining the online ministry of New Life Fellowship. May you be blessed by the word of God. Amen. And all the people said, amen. If you have your Bibles, please find them. If you are watching live stream, welcome. This is the moment of the word of the Lord. I implore you to find your Bible. Take a moment for all those that are uh, sick, unable to come, love you, and pray that the word of the Lord ministers to you today. For all of the guests here today, thank you for being here. We appreciate you, and I'm grateful that you've been here, hearing and feeling the spirit of the Lord. All right, are you ready? Joshua chapter 5. Now, I'm going to read uh, some select verses from this. So if you would like to view the screen, that'd be fine. And I'm going to do my best to, to um, consider the wide range of ages here. And so we'll read the scripture. And it came to pass, verse 1. When all the kings of the Amorites which were on the side of Jordan westward and all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan before the children of Israel until we were passed over that their heart melted. Neither was there spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Skip down to verse 5 now. Now all the people that came out were circumcised which means all those people who came out of Egypt they were circumcised but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt they had not been circumcised this is 40 years prior for when the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord that means they they died in the wilderness unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land, which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. They didn't believe. They were faithless. And so God decided, because you didn't believe the promise I gave to your forefathers, you're just going to die in the sand. Their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them, Joshua circumcised. Uh-oh. How is that possible? For they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. Finally, verse 8. And it came to pass, when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp, till they were whole. Amen. Praise God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. You put this in my spirit and I follow your direction. Lord, let the word of the Lord be a seed planted in the heart of the people. Let it find good soil and grow up. Let it produce fruit, not just for today, but for many days to come. Lord, this is your word. It's not mine. This is your call and not mine. This is your church. You bought it with your own blood. I pray today, Lord Jesus, that you would put your spirit upon us envelop us with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. I want you to put your Bibles down behind you and I want you to lift up your hands and out of your mouth, I want you to just cry out to God and tell him how good he is and what a wonderful Savior he is. Come on, everybody with your own voice. I love you. I worship you. I implore you. I extol you. Oh, holy Savior Jesus, mighty Savior God. Hallelujah, Savior Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. And all the people said amen. You may be seated. And when you get there, clap your hands unto the Lord. According to the goodness that God has given to you. Come on, clap your hands according to the blessing of the Lord that he has given to you. I feel a little bit like the apostle who wrote in Acts 20, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. It's one thing to preach or teach a favorite subject or, or to stay in the realm of some exhortation, but if the Bible is to be known and the counsel of God is to be heard, then the entirety of the scriptures must be declared. Unlike Paul, I've not been cast out or left for dead because of the scripture. Even still, I am most certainly led by the Holy Spirit to deliver this word to the body of believers. I'm thankful for that. If in context of our scripture reading, there would be great demand to consider the moment in which Joshua Chapter 5 occurs. Moses has now passed away. God himself laid the body of Moses to rest in some unknown, nondescript grave. Lest the people build monuments to their former leader, people have a way of doing that. Most of them scorned Moses in his living days, chirping away at his leadership. They Once took up rocks against him. Accusing him of misleading them. Accusing him of causing them to die of thirst and hunger. While he led them openly before the Lord. They also openly rebutted his commands. And murmured and complained continuously. Even driving him to approach God and say. What shall I do with this thy people? But at his passing. They mourned him and would have glorified him like some deity. (laughs) So God laid him to rest without their consent or knowledge just to keep them from committing the sin of idolatry toward the man they once questioned on a daily basis. (laughs) Or as it was once written, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Actually, I think a rock group wrote that song. I hate to reveal it to you, but I do know the name of it. Cinderella, don't listen. (laughs) Joshua will never gain the notoriety of Moses. He will never climb to the mountain that Moses was so adept at traversing. But there was something that Joshua had that Moses did not. Joshua had the conviction instituted by God to Abraham concerning circumcision. I cannot tell you. Why Moses struggled with the sign of the covenant. I'm baffled by it. Not only did he fail to circumcise his own sons. Until his wife threatened him. But the whole of the sons born in the wilderness. Were never given the privilege. Nor did they know the law of this covenant. All those who came out of Egypt. Had experienced the matter. But we are told that those born in the wilderness did not. To Moses. Or to those fathers and mothers of the wilderness. It must have been not that important. Just getting by or looking for water or setting up camp, tearing it all down. The continuation of it all. Those are the pressing issues of the day. Circumcision fell off the map of the list of their priorities. I'll read it. Joshua 5, 5. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. And it wasn't until the whole nation was circumcised that God finally said, Now, today, I have rolled away the approach that was attached to you from Egypt. Meaning, because you have now taken on the sign of the covenant, I have removed the stain that was on you. It was like an infection from the influence of that heathen nation. Remember... Those fathers once clamored for Aaron to make them a golden calf while Moses was was collecting the Ten Commandments on the mountain. They begged Aaron to recreate the idol Asex, which they knew and perhaps were forced to craft for the Egyptian rulers. They knew what it looked like. They might have not believed in those false gods, but the influence was among them. And it was not until Joshua obeyed the voice of the Lord and all of them had entered back into the covenant of Abraham that God said, I have removed the reproach of Egypt from you this very day. And the question is why? Why do those fathers and mothers not follow the law of the Lord? Why did they obey it themselves, but didn't hand it down to their own sons? Millions of them had been brought out, 600,000 men that did not include women and children, tens of thousands of fathers who, who walked their young families through the dry ground of the Red Sea gawking at the wall of water on either side. Thousands of mothers bearing children, sons no less, raising them on the morning manna, holding the perfect balance of every essential mineral nutrient protein the human body would ever need to survive and to grow. Forty years of manna, but no circumcision. Forty years of wonder, but no covenant. Water flowing like a, like a river from a flint rock, but no circumcision. The cloud of glory hovering and moving and guiding and leading in times of uprising fire consuming the accusers and the earth itself devouring the very men who confronted God's chosen man Moses but they rejected circumcision they had the rod of Aaron budding with blossoms not attached to the ground they had the brazen serpent which healed their immediate affliction and a host of supernatural wonders during the duration of their 40 year journey but they did not circumcise their sons they minimized the matter They neither spoke of it or invoked it while it was followed all the way back to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob and then to Joseph and to every subsequent generation for 430 years, even in the land of bondage, when they came to the wilderness, they just let it go. They abandoned the very sign and command that the almighty God had instituted himself when he spoke to Abraham. And I read it to you in the Bible. God said it to Abraham, Genesis chapter 17, Thou shall keep my commandment, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. It was the distinction. Of the called out people. It was the keeping of the covenant. That they were indeed. A holy people. Called by his name. It was the line of demarcation. That separated them from every other culture. Band, group and nation. That would ever exist. And they followed it for centuries of time. Until they crossed the Red Sea. And then they dropped it. Sons grew up. Not knowing its meaning. Children were raised. And became young adults. And. 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds without an awareness that this was the sign of the covenant which God had made with his people. You and me and generations to come. And they said, on the eighth day, this will happen. An outward sign, a line that declared the difference. But now those who were born in the wilderness who never knew the scourge of Pharaoh's whip were given a pass on the covenant. Parents must have thought that it was just not that important or as the more prominent understanding of the scripture has come to be, and as the Lord himself has declared, circumcision to them was no longer necessary for a people who came out of Egypt. What a lie. They did not want their sons to struggle, and they saved them from the sacrifice. They didn't want them to have the pain of it. What difference would a sign mean when we have all this desert? What good is the outward sign with all this sand? And they refused to obey, even though themselves they had the sign. Even though they had circumcised, what brought them out they didn't give to their families. It was good enough for that generation, but ah. History had repeated itself and does in so many occasions. The unfortunate thing is that no one knows history, so it will repeat itself again. America suffered in the Great Depression, people lined up for loaves of bread. The market crash of 1929 is long past, but the struggle of it was not soon forgotten. A few years will pass after that, and the Second World War will reignite the economy of America, and then a time of prosperity will come after that. Fathers knew. Some remembered the struggle of food and shelter. Mothers knew it. Some came from the bloodbath in Europe and Japan. Some felt the sting of death, but all understood the struggle and the sacrifice. And so because they experienced that, They wanted to keep their young children from it as best they could. They kept them from the sacrifice. They kept them from the struggle. They gave them everything that they wanted, and they propelled a new thought of peace and, yes, passivity. The effect rippled through our nation until it metastasized into a sexual revolution of the 1960s. While people were appalled, the damage was done. The next group after that was taught about gain, ambition, and convenience. And then came the never-ending safety net. Trust fund babies litter the landscape of our nation. They are men and women who are now in their 50s. No struggle, no sacrifice. Parents guarded their children from every manner of criticism and rejection until they were taught that by virtue of their own breath, they deserve a living wage whether they work or not. One generation struggles and they break free from the sorrow and the sacrifice and the pain, but they pity the next generation and, in act of what they think is love, they remove the sacrifice from their sons and daughters so they don't have to wait, feel the weight of the struggle. And in that, they die. That is the day when people show up at church and wonder what's going to be done for them. That is the generation who has been so guarded and so protected that they've never learned how to fail because their parents kept them from failing. Oh, I have the word of the Lord for you here. I may not have your affirmation, but I have his. It's okay. I'm not provoking you. I'm just going to preach and I'll plant the seed and you answer to God. You don't have to be nice to me. I don't care. The mailman delivers you all the bills and all the, all, the, all the things and you don't run after him and chase him down and go throw something at him. He delivers a lot of bad news to you every day. I don't see you all running around trying to shoot him with your BB guns, writing the mailman bad letters while you're giving me that mail. I don't see that. I'm just the mailman. You might want to get angry at the person who wrote the book. <laughs> I wouldn't if I were you, but Hey. People are dumb. (laughs) Tell me why Yuza was so quick to steady the Ark of the Covenant with his bare hand. Tell me how he came to the point that he thought he alone was qualified to reach out and touch the anointed golden Ark of the Lord. I'll tell you in a single word why he did that familiarity. The Ark had been stolen from Israel, taken from Shiloh. It never returned. In fact, the Bible says that in all the days of King Saul, he never inquired after the Ark of the Covenant. They knew where it was. They just didn't go seek it. No one went after it until David took the throne in Jerusalem and longed to bring it back into the city. The Ark of the Covenant had been at Abinadab's house for 20 long years. Yuza was the son of Abinadab and Yuza grew up around the Ark of the Covenant. He was raised with it, that golden, most precious treasure of the entire nation where the Shekinah glory of the omnipotent creator rested. It was common to him. It was a common piece of furniture in the house of Yuza. He had no awe of it. He had no respect for it. To him, it was just something familiar. No regard, no esteem, no appraisal of the gravity of the anointed item where the atonement blood was once spilled. It was just a thing to him, and he could touch it if he wanted to. And it has been noted that his father surely did not teach reverence or honor or the fear of the Lord, even though the embodiment of God rested in their house. So when David moved it and the ox stumbled along the way and it appeared that the ark might fall to the ground, Uzzah, with his own arrogance and familiarity and irreverence, put forth his hand to steady the ark of God. I'll fix it. And God killed him where he stood. Read it in your Bible. His casual approach to the most holy thing cost him his life. And it was apparent then and yes now Some things need to fall. (laughs) It wouldn't have been the end of the nation. It would not have been the end of the ark if it had fallen. God could have held it up all by himself, or he could have allowed it to tumble. Either way, ladies and gentlemen, if you lose your respect and honor, if you lose your reverence, you've lost it all. What was lost that day was the knowledge of God, a father who never taught his son about the fear of the Lord, In America, they call it too big to fail. That is the epitaph of so many of the United States industries. But for all those who decry and decried the government intervention decades ago, they are the same people who think that their children, their sons and their daughters are too good to fail. Jesus didn't live that way. Jesus didn't save his disciples from suffering. No, he did not. He did not keep them from the responsibility of self-constraint. He did not make an excuse for their inadequacies. Go look it in your Bible. He had 12 disciples. Think with me now. Peter, James, John, Andrew were fishermen. Nathaniel probably also was a fisherman. Matthew was the only other disciple whose occupation was mentioned. And Matthew understood money. That was what he did for a living. He was a tax collector when the Lord saved him. Of course, that tells me that even IRS agents can be saved. None of the other men were known by their occupations, but interestingly enough, Jesus gave the bag to Judas, which means that Judas, who would come to complain about a broken alabaster box, who would one day sell Jesus for money, who seemed to be more concerned with money than the rest of them, he was the one to whom Jesus assigned to be the keeper of the disciples' money. You got a problem with money? Greed? You're not a great giver? You're critical of how the ministry should be operated? Great, Jesus said. Here's the checkbook. Here are the accounts, Judas. Let me read it to you. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, Judas, but he was a thief. He had the bag and bare what was put therein. If he could have made it past the bag, if Judas could have made it past the bag, he might have made it past the betrayal. Jesus did not put bubble wrap around his disciples. He called them. He chose them. But the struggle is inherent. The struggle was part of the call. The sacrifice was part of the journey. If he kept them from the sacrifice and from the pain, they would have grown up as weak, inconsistent disciples that would never learn how to spread the gospel. He even said to them, and I'll quote this to you. This is Jesus to his disciples. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's disconcerting. Jesus did not keep Peter from the courtyard. Rather, Jesus said, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Because some things are meant to fall and failure is not the end of your life. In fact, it may be the best thing that ever happened to you that you struggle I'm going to tell you right now, if you remove sacrifice from your family, take out the covenant, take out the sign, take, take out the circumcision, you'll lose your whole family. Jesus restored Peter after his denial, but without the fall and the restoration, Peter would never have been equipped to preach the day of Pentecost and what happened on the day of Pentecost. Because hear me, your faith is never known until it has been put on trial. You don't even know if you have faith until you are put on trial. Joshua held the conviction of the covenant even though Moses did not. Joshua was centered and issued the decree regardless of the pain. They were not eight years old now, ladies and gentlemen. This should have been done when you were eight days old. But there will be no victory and there will be no promise until we obey. The sign of the covenant. We've got to get it on us. We must get rid of the reproach of the place of bondage. Which lets lets me know that today, even this hour, while some mock our lines of holiness and separation, holiness is not bound is not bondage holiness keeps us from being bound our sacrifices whatever they are Go up before the Lord as a sweet-smelling fragrance before God. And when we suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ, it only cements our resolve. And when you go through the fire, it serves to purify your heart like unto gold, purified in a furnace of earth, heated and reheated seven times, so that every impurity is removed. But instead of welcoming the fire and the struggle, we race from it and say, oh, no. I don't want to have that on my life. I don't want to have a struggle. I don't want my family to go through the struggle. Well, guess what you're raising up? You're raising up young
1: people, and you're raising up yourself to be someone who can just manhandle the things of God. Hear the preacher today. Hear the pastor today. We're going to go back to the circumcision. We're going to go back to reverence and honor, and there will be sacrifice and struggle.
0: But if you shun the fire and you keep the trouble from your family, then you will be stained and corrupted. Lust lives like mold where there is no correction. I don't want anyone correcting my family. Really? That's how you're going to live? I don't want anyone correcting me. I want to go to a church where the preacher is all nice and everything's good. You feel better when you leave, when you came. But that's not the Bible. The Bible says that the Lord chastises those he loves. What, what Bible, what God are you serving? I want to tell you, when I get in the presence of God, I'm convicted by his holy presence. Something grips my heart. I feel like, oh, God, we ought to come someday and say,
1: woe is me. Oh, you are a great God. I, I want to get in his presence that's so thick, I can't even lift up my head. I got to bow my head before the great God Almighty.
0: <laughs> Lukewarmness, it festers like a Disease. When we don't offer our time and our bodies to the work of the church and the kingdom. I hope you hear me now. Because you can save your image or you can save your soul. But you can't save both. You either lose yourself in the cause and, and, and cross of Jesus Christ. Or you build your own kingdom and create your own religion. Paul said, I am hid. I'm hid. Not I, not me. Because the way demands the absence of self. I am crucified with Christ. My parents did not keep me from the sacrifice or the struggle. They did not try to protect me from false accusations, and they were there. They did not try to keep me from ugly people inside or outside the church. They did not keep me from complaining or murmuring. They knew it was all around me. They fought their battles, and they fought their victories, and they won them. But they did not keep me from my own sacrifice. They didn't make up the difference They fought their battles, but they didn't fight mine. Wounds, ladies and gentlemen, are inevitable. Winds will come, but without resistance, there is no strength. It's in the valley that you learn to trust God. It's in the low times you learn to trust God. So if you're always complaining and wondering what's going on, I'm going to tell you, there will be lonely nights, but it's in the lonely night that you see the Lord. The disciples are in the tempest of the storm. That's when they see the Lord walking on the water. And I say to my children, I say to you, I cannot go through fasting for you. You have to pray and you have to fast for yourself. Your mother and I are praying and fasting, but that's just as an example. We are not your substitute. Oh, I'm preaching today. Cause I'm not just talking to my children. I'm talking about the whole church. I'm grateful that you thank me for fasting, but I cannot really fast for you. You gotta get on your face. You gotta pray before God. You gotta have your own moment of circumcision. I'm not gonna withhold it from you. Cause the thing
1: that brought us out is the thing that's gonna bring us in. I've got to preach the truth here today. There will be hard times
0: and there will be wounds. But unless you experience the suffering, you'll just be weak. You're not perfect. Roman, Reagan, Alexandra, Nico, especially. You're not perfect. And yes, there will be plenty of people who will be happy to point that out. But I'm I'm not making an excuse for you. Bubble wrap leaders have destroyed future fervency. Pastor, pray for me, like, get out of this mess. What are you talking about? The Lord put you in that mess. Because that's the only time you ever pray, cry, seek God. In fact, sometimes until you lose your job and lose your health, you never pray or ask God for help.
1: But the moment you're going through the struggle, that's the moment you fall on your face. He cares more about your eternity than your temporal life today. I don't have a feel-good message for you, but I will tell you, we're going to make it into the promised land. We will have revival because we're going to keep the circumcision and all the sacrifice.
0: People that are saved from the struggle and the sacrifice, they are weak they are enamored with the world. They look for the easy way out. They ride the fence. They always ask the question, will this send me to hell? People who are saved from all the struggle, you know what they do? They want to see how little they can do to get by. They always say, well, God's not going to send me to hell over this, is he? They're self-justified. They're looking for their image. They're not hid in Christ. They're waiting for someone else to do the work. Hear me. You're going to have to do the work. You want to have, you, you want to have a powerful church. You're going to have to do the work. Stop thinking I'm going to pray for you or some other person whose gift is going to pray for you. You got to speak in tongues
1: by yourself. You got to call on God by yourself. You got to think God, I need you now. If you want revival in your family, don't call anybody. Call on Jesus. He'll give you the revival. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the blood. He'll give you authority.
0: Of me, I will pray for you, but not until you pray for yourself, Pastor. I know you have authority to the, with the Lord, so if you'll just say the name of Jesus, then, then everything's going to be okay. Well, I'm going to tell you about the prophet. He didn't even come out of his house to approach the captain of the army, he sent his servant, and the servant said, Listen, go to that dirty river Jordan and dip down seven times. And you know what, the man who was dying of disease did? He got upset and he was offended.
1: I don't like the way I'm being treated. Some no-name guy who has a towel around his waist, who has been washing pots and pans, he's the
0: guy who came out, and I traveled all this way to see you, and you didn't even speak to me. And another servant, thank God for the servants. Well, Naaman, why don't you just take a chance? And I need some, why would I have to wash here? Aren't the rivers back home, far par? Aren't they beautiful and clear, crystal water? Look, this is the worst part of Jordan. People have been throwing in all of their refuse and all of their trash here. I got to go, well, just, just try it one time. Just, just try it. It is the word, yes, but it wasn't delivered the right way. Are you waiting for the sermon to be delivered the right way before you obey the voice of God? Do you know it doesn't matter who delivers the word of the Lord? If it's the word of the Lord, you can be healed. You can be restored. Are you waiting for a personality? If you're waiting for a personality, that means that you are
1: prideful because you want to deliver it delivered in a right way. I'm not going to keep you from the suffering because you've got to understand I've got to make it and it doesn't matter, I'm going to obey.
0: And mom, your babies that you love, they're not perfect. Little angels fallen. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know who taught them that word. Hmm. Your TV. I don't know who taught them to steal. Uh, they were born a thief. No, not my children, not my grandchild. Yeah. Well, this is the Bible. We were all born to sin in shape and shape in iniquity. All have sinned, even your little angels. You can put all the pink little flowery tutus on them, spin them around, take a bunch of pictures, yes. They still need to repent of their sins. Maybe not right now, but when they reach the age of accountability, they're going to have to call on God and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Wait a second. Wait a second. Your sons and your daughters, they're going to make mistakes. And the more you put bubble wrap around them and make excuses for them, the weaker they'll be. And they'll leave the church and leave the Lord because you kept making excuses for your sons and your daughters because you're making excuses for yourself. I'm going to tell you right now, get up, make a sacrifice. Thank God when you're in the struggle. Thank God when you're in hardship. The Lord's helping you. He's putting some strength on your bones. I'm preaching. I, I'm, I'm de- wait, I, I'm delivering the mail. <laughs> I don't care if you sign for it or not. It has your name on it. Because your children and your grandchildren will never know the joy of giving if you keep paying the amount of their commitment. Oh, baby, I know you said you're going to be a real McCoy. I know you're going to give $100 to missions. I know you don't have it. I'll tell you what. Paw will give it for you. Me Ma will help you. Mammy will take care of it. And then you just give that to them, and they know no joy of sacrifice or work. Or I present it, and you say, that's not for you. That's for the other people. And I talk about being committed to God, and you say, well, that's not for our family. You know, we've been serving the Lord a long time. We don't need that. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Because in the end, it's going to get worse than today, and you're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's going to come from the covenant and the struggle and the sign and the pain and the sacrifice. Churches are filled, and this is every denomination, with men and women who were kept from the circumcision. They were kept from the burden of caring caring for the house of God until they treated it like Yuza when he laid hold on the ark. They did not die where they stood, but they died in honor and respect and truth. There are people in this house that have given to the kingdom. And I want to tell you, we're all living off the bounty of their sacrifice. If you're a new convert in this house, come on and join me. We're going to make a sacrifice. It's going to be prayer. It's going to be money. It's going to be time. It's going to be image. It's, we're going to sacrifice our opinions. Oh, I know you'd rather give $1,000 than give up your opinion. I'll take the 1000 for the building fund, but I also want you to give up your opinion. <laughs> That's right. We're going to give up our opinions. We're going to stop mouthing about all the complaining cuz I'll tell you if I die tomorrow all of you who complain about me you'll think you'll think I was the greatest pastor. How about right now we just say God be the glory. We're going to give up our opinions. We're going to go for the kingdom. The
1: city has to be won. We're going to put the Who's with me? We got to take the city. I can't save you from all the struggle, but I know the Lord will bring us out.
0: see, I'm about to hurt someone's feelings. I just want you to know in, in advance. I'm about to hurt your feelings. Whew, man. I should never have gone to Mexico. If, if a billionaire walks in and gives the amount of money sufficient enough to pay off our new sanctuary, we will apply half of it to the missions account. Because we are not going to let someone else Fulfill the sacrifice of that building, and leave us with nothing to give.
1: No way. Who's with me? You're not going to make it for me. You're not going to make it for me, and you're not going to make it for my family.
0: I'm glad you're praying for me. But if I don't pray for myself, I'm glad you're working. But if I don't work for myself, I had a meeting with all four of my children. I said, here's all I want you to do. I want you to give at least one hour or two hours to the church. Donate it to the church. What are we going to do? I'm not exactly sure, but you're going to do something. Clean, wash the windows. Pick up, dust,
1: whatever you can do, park cars, sweep gravel. We're gonna be about the Father's business. I cannot help you with your family, but if you're offended, you're gonna get over that offense.
0: I don't know really how this is going. I'll do better later I can remember some folks in the church saying some things to, to me that was not right and my father turning and saying son now you just apologize I wasn't real happy with dad at the time I knew those people were devils. So I'm sorry. I walked away, walked home on the gravel road, fuming the whole time back to the house. They never brought it up again. I was thinking. I was right and they were wrong. Nobody stuck up for me. I didn't grow up with bubble wrap. I grew up with some hard times and some bad words, some hurt feelings. That's why I'm standing here today. Because if I'd have grew up with parents and made excuses for everything when someone corrected me, you wouldn't have seen me here. And if I was here, I'd have produced a weak congregation that every time the devil attacked us, we would wonder why God has forsaken us. No, we're not gonna be that people. We're not gonna be, you're gonna go through some hard times. And God's still gonna be good. I'm teaching here today that God's good when He's good to you, and He's good when He's good to you. He's good when you don't feel like He's good, and He's good when it's evident that He's there. The Lord is good all the time. It don't matter what your health is, it doesn't
1: matter what your money is, it don't matter what's going on. The Lord is to the Lord. He's good every day.
0: Let me tell you, you're going to grow strength in the darkness because you're going to get up and say, I know that the Lord is my light. And when you're down, you're going to get to the house of God and you're going to worship the Lord as if nothing ever happened wrong in your life. And you're going to go home to your sons and your daughters. You're going to say, listen, we're going to keep holiness as a part of our lives. We're separate from the world. We're not going to live like the world. We're not going to walk, dress, drink, talk like the world. We're not going to watch the things of the world. We're not going to converse like the things of the world. We're not going to do that because we're set apart. We're holy as unto the Lord. And if that brought you to this place, don't keep it from your children because you think it's over fashion. Don't say, well, that's just, that's that's yesterday. That's, that's, that's no, that's prevalent today. And when you start implementing holiness in your home and reverence and honor and respect, then the reproach of the
1: world is gone from us.
0: Amen. Praise God. Uh, I'm almost through and uh, I, before I get done, I just want to thank most of you. (laughs) for enduring (laughs) but I have some things I have to preach you can come here it's fine, you can come Come. but if you're living the life of a fornicator don't think because you put on a nice suit that has covered up the actions of your life And that is reproach to the holy things of God. You're just playing a game. And don't think that if you're living the life of an adulterer that you're getting by with anything. No, you're not. No, you're not. And don't think because I hug you and love on you that that means you're going to heaven. I'm just trying to woo you back into the family of God. Because you can be sitting in the building and not be a part of the church. Oh, man. I'm way out there today. Where is David Smith? Man, we got to get the choir back here. What's going on here? (laughs) I'm just preaching the word of the Lord. We're going to get to holiness. We're going to get to godliness. I think your fathers, you ought to repent and ask your children to forgive you for making excuses for their bad behavior. I think you mothers ought to realize your babies and your grandmothers, you ought to realize your children still need
1: God and they still need sacrifice. And if you save them from that, you're destroying them.
0: And, and since I'm way out, and when you push the like button, are we okay? Okay, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, 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 a kitchen there. Just go into the kitchen. It's wonderful. And there's maybe food there too. All right, come on back. Praise the Lord. Amen and all the... Okay. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. And watch. Are you ready? It's okay. Okay. Ready? Praise the Lord. And if you push the like button and you like and you love all the filthy posts of your family members, you are condoning the filth of their life. It'd be, I've been telling you this for a long time. It'd be better for you to get off of that than to feel pressured to affirm the sinful activities of the things you wouldn't want on this platform. And if you like the things, hear me, if you like the things here, if you like the things there, but you don't like them here, then you're nothing more than a hypocrite. Because if we put the things here on the platform that you affirm on your on your Facebook post, on your Instagram post, on your social media approach, you'd find it in the church.
1: I'm preaching for a cold out people. I'm preaching for a holy people. I'm preaching against the holy. I'm preaching against the world and the things of this world. Help me. Come on, we're going to have a Holy Ghost revival. Watch this.
0: I've said it again. Stand, stand, stand. I've said this. A church is not known really for its doctrine. It's known for what it tolerates. Because whatever it tolerates dictates what kind of purity the doctrine shall be. And we're going to be a godly church and a royal priesthood and a called out people and a peculiar people. We're going to be the people of the most high God. If you want to see miracles and powerful signs and wonders and cancerous tumors fall off, we got to get right with God because we got to move in the spirit. we got to move in the Holy Ghost.
1: I want to take dominion over every power and principality.
0: I'm almost done. So I know you're going to have some financial struggle. I know that. But God comes first. God comes first. I'm not taking you out of the struggle. You still have to return your tithe, which is your first fruit. And that means it's on your gross and not on your net. This is the Bible. And that's just the starting point. Your tithe is just a starting point. Then comes the offerings. Then come the special offerings. And all of you folks who want to be kind of Jewish followers, they gave over 35% of their money, and they did not, and they was not able to eat shrimp. Get your checkbook out and throw away your sausage. (laughs) No bacon for you. You you, you want to follow the scripture? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. We're going to introduce our families to a life of sacrifice. And the reproach of this world is going to just, it's going to be gone. And there's going to be powerful miracles happen in this house like you have never seen before in your life. There's going to be restoration and healing and wonder and power. Lift up your heart right now in your hands to God and say it right now in the name of Jesus. I pray. Do your perfect work in this house. Do your perfect work in this house. If there's anybody in this place who's ready to make a sacrifice before the Lord and you don't care what that sacrifice, you don't care what it, what it means. If you're ready, you lift up your hearts to God and say, Lord, I'm making a, I'm making a sacrifice to you. I'm not relying upon someone else. I'm not keeping it from you. No way. I'm not keeping it from you. (laughs) I'm not keeping it from you. I'm praying that someone would be healed in this house. You have come and you need a healing for your body. I got to work in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying right now for miracles in this house. I want the miracle working power. I want the promise of the milk and honey. I want the promise of the Holy Spirit. haba. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just make this big room a prayer room now. Wherever you are, just begin to pray for your life. The Lord has spoken to you today. So just receive the Word of God. Receive the Word of God. Receive the Word of the Lord. Receive the Word of the Lord. Thank you for watching today. If you would like to help us continue to deliver content around the world online, please consider making a donation. Head to youlifetarahode.com and choose
1: the giving option that works best for you. Have a great day.